0: everyone don't forget to go to RebrunningSafety.com to get yourself some cool ass merch get some sweatshirts t-shirts mugs tote bags and you can support us a little bit more and the best of it is you wouldn't even know you're supporting a health and safety channel because it just looks cool man don't forget rebrandsafety.com get yourself some merch peeps safe what's up guys welcome back to rebranding safety rebranding safety does exactly what it says on the tin we're here to rebrand health and safety challenge the perception challenge those health and safety gone mad practices and we do that on youtube by providing free how-to videos we do it on the podcast by providing free in-depth conversations as well with amazing people like today's guest so today's guest is robert dukes Robert is a young man that's absolutely shooting through his career in health and safety. He's fired right up to the top. And if you have anything to do with social media around safety or leadership or anything like that, this man is probably all up in your face. He's a networking genius. He just networks like mad. And he's absolutely thrown so much money it's investing in himself and frankly just an interesting conversation as well so we've got Rob on to just chat through rebranding safety we're just going to talk about health and safety talk about his career talk about networking and talk about all the things that are going on and just have an amazing conversation with another health and safety professional hopefully this will provide some insight if you're coming into the career if you're new into the career if you're thinking about coming into health and safety if you're a current safety professional I think there is so much in this conversation that we cover That just an interesting chat. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We and an oppressive regime of health and safety regulations. Six, a huge fire engulfs a tower block.
1: Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead.
0: Rebranding safety. The modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype, brought to you by Risk Fluent and your host, James McPherson. Rob, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, no, Thank you for having us. Um, look forward to it and hopefully uh, it's not too scary.
0: No, I'm sure it won't be. Okay. <laughs> Rob, why don't you give us an introduction uh, to yourself? So just, just quickly, you're, you're like a SHP rising star. You're, you're pretty much coming out of like all social media orifices. You're, you're absolutely everywhere. <laughs> uh, you've kind of come out of the blue on my LinkedIn as well, and, and now you, you, you're absolutely everywhere. So kind of let's just give us an introduction of like you, where you are, what you do, how you got to become a rising star, what even is a rising star, and then from there we'll just chew the fat about health and safety.
1: Yeah, um, as for what is a rising star, I, I don't know. <laughs> Everyone keeps t- telling me that I'm doing well and that uh, you know, I'm going to be a rising star. So for me, I kind of see that as maybe it's someone that's going to um, you know, develop their interests into becoming a uh, big influence within the industry, which is ideal. That's what I'm aiming for. Um, whether I achieve it or not, well, you know, maybe in a few years' time, we might be having another phone call and we'll be saying, yeah, you've done well or we said, yeah, you kind of didn't hit, that, hit the mark, really. Uh, <laughs> find out. who um, I am. Um, well, I'm 27 years old. I'm health safety manager now for Wax biblical. I've been there um, a year and a year. within, a about 20 sweet days away from me being there a year now. So, um, I've done something well. Um, yeah, a fantastic organisation. Uh, really, your support doesn't help to with Masters. So, uh, yeah, things are going well. Um, I won the Rise of Star Award there. Um, yeah.
0: How, how does the Rising Star come about? Do you get nominated? Do you have to apply? Or how does that come about?
1: Uh, I think there's an application process. Um, I was a fortunate that one of my former colleagues, from my work at BA Systems, um, I chatted quite a lot with him. Uh, and, and I think he's quite proud of what I was doing. So he kind of nominated me for the award. Um, and that's where it came about, really. Uh, you obviously, he liked a lot of what I was doing, um, and yeah, uh, the judges picked me. Uh, I think one of the bit of the feedback that I had was that I worked when I worked night shift for me. we were putting on a new shift system. Um, I was keen to work the new night shift to kind of see what the, the lighting was like on the night shift, see the effects that it uh, has on the employees, and then we just see what the area is is like during the night shift, and, and make sure that we've done everything that we can to make it a safe working environment. Um, mm. So I think that went a long way with the judges. I think the fact that I spent a lot of money self-funding the courses, and, you know, the NEBOSH General Cert, Diploma, the um, Masters now, uh, you know, the Project Managers course, uh, Nibosh Construction course, uh, we keep going on, I do about Nibosh ones, but that's what I've kind of just, um, I was first made aware of and it's given me a good grounding in health and safety, um, through to everything else, uh, you know, I'm balancing working full-time as a HC manager, part-time doing a Masters, uh, didn't deploy them at the same time, don't ask for that. <laughs> that kind of just came about through um, opportunities, basically. Um, you know, I'm involved in a few local charities like the Keswick Barrow. So that's the charity walk um, from Keswick in the English Lakes straight through to Barrow and Furnace. So it's 40 miles. Raises um, just short of 400,000 local charities and national charities as well. Um, through to being involved in the local Irish committee and the environmental resource forum. So. Got
0: your fingers in a, in a hell of a lot of pies, there, mate.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, one of the things that I've been very keen is that through when I was looking at you know growing and developing, uh, everyone always said about networking. And we look at what a lot of top, top people in the industry are doing, and they're involved in multiple causes. Uh, you know, they're not only doing the head of health and safety or HSE director role, they're actually also involved in you know charity boards. Um, you know, sector initiatives, industry initiatives, the advising in parliament—that um, to me is all the pretty cool stuff. Where you actually, you know, you're not only having an effect within your organisation, you're actually changing health and safety for the entire industry and um, as a whole. So mm. that's kind of what I kind of say and what what motivates me to kind of get to that them levels. But I think that everything you're involved in—if you're involved in a charity thing or you're involved in to um, uh, say, say you're involved in the school Irish fire Irish committee. Uh, you're getting up and speaking in in front of like, you know body drifty you local peers at an IOSH meeting. Uh, you develop your public speaking skills so you're you taking skills that you're developing in one area that'll help you in another area so um I definitely think that it's good to be involved in a lot of things and get get a lot of different insights from people as well mm.
0: how, how did you get into safety did you start did you, uh, like I'm gonna assume you didn't leave school and be like mum I'm going to be a safety professional. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: I don't well you know I think um, it up until last year i never actually met anyone that um, through school knew they wanted to be a health safety professional and then at the IOSH conference sorry this year um the IOSH United conference there was uh, a student there for that was I think 14 years old that uh, he wanted to be a health safety professional which was fantastic to see mm-hmm. um, but traditionally I think a lot, a lot of people um, don't, don't know about health and safety as a career in, until like um, you know, they're in the world of work and it's like, oh, a pretty cool thing, do not mind getting involved in that. Um, mm. And I was the same. Uh, I actually uh, went to university, I studied a law degree, um, really enjoyed law. Uh, due to personal reasons, i um, in my third year, decided that I, I didn't want to go into the type of law that I wanted to do. Um, so I looked into other, uh, other things to do, moved down south from a government at time, Split with her, um, and then did what anyone in the local area does, and looked at the shipyard, BA Systems, and applied for a job, got in there, um, and it was through working there that I actually I um, had an accident, I had a patch hit me, caused um, some disc in the back. And uh, speaking to the health safety professional, I investigated that he helped me get involved in health and safety. You know, I, we had a few things that we got on with. Um, we both played for the, the local, same, same local rugby team, um, and yeah, he, he kind of helped me, and then. You Know, I said, Well, actually, I'm quite liking this, so you know, there's a few things in my role that I could kind of do that were health safety related. I then thought, Right, you know what, I'm going to self fund the, the general, cert because he advised that's a, a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's nothing, no other options really, in terms of you know, the other courses at the time wouldn't really give me the same level of qualification that, that I could achieve locally, really. So, I looked at the, the general, cert. he said, It'd Be a good start. So, I took, um, it's three weeks off unpaid. Uh, so what deal time shifts to pay for it? Um, and yeah, I went and got the general cert with distinction. And um, he helped me with vision on that. He helped me in terms of uh, you know looking at uh, any questions I asked. Uh, and then at a the time I said, right, well I need to get some experience. I spoke to him about getting some. He couldn't arrange anything in work, so I went and asked um I think it was one of the senior managers after a meeting. He said, "Yeah, you know, we're wanting people to have this attitude, this um, this drive." And, and be self-starters. So I went, so went up to him after it, asked his presentation, went, yeah, well, I'm trying to do that, myself i on self-funded this, I'm looking to get involved in safety. Is there anything you can you can kind of do? And he, he loved it, you know, he absolutely loved my attitude with it, and um, yeah, I was very fortunate that, that he arranged something, that, you know, an internal work placement within the health and safety team. And from there, um, that's where I got my mom heavily involved, and that I got off of my first role. Uh, so I left um, the organisation to go to um, a firm called Sheep Island in UK. And uh, yeah, that's my first health safety um advisory role really. Um quality and environment thrown in with it as well. So, you know, I got got you know a lot of good fantastic experience within quality as well and within mm. environment. Um and that was a that was a real challenge really because I went from an industry where you know, yeah, you had to be on top of your game and you had a lot, of, you know, you, you had hundreds of people doing stuff like hot work um, through to clashy processes as well. Um so it's quite a high risk environment there, but I was going to another high risk environment, working on a construction site, specialised sort of piling it. And one of the u- unique factors of that organisation was that they would only be on site for um, you know two to eight weeks at a time. So you'd have like you know possibly eight different sites kicking off. You'd have um, them all around the country, and then they would only be on site for, uh, you know different sites for a few weeks at a time. So it definitely had unique risks that had to be. Um, you know controlled and monitored really in terms of you know a lot of these workers were working away away from home and whatnot as well so
0: mm. wow. Do you have you always had that kind of are you quite a kind na- of naturally get my words out are you kind of a <laughs> uh, naturally quite a driven person like it must take some some drive to be able to just well. To be honest, there's not a lot of people like that. that self fund qualifications, especially in our game, um, so that that first is, is a big thing. And you know, I, I self funded my diploma, and you know these things are not cheap. So, or, or, or was it, was it was it out of the was it born out of the, the passion from the incident, or was it a bit of both? Or
1: uh, I think it was um, a bit of odd. I think um, when I decided I want to do something then. I'm gonna go do it. <laughs> mm. uh, at the same time, though, I think, um, I, th- I think I think when I when it got kind of worked out, you know, that's what I wanted to do in my life. And uh, when I actually got insight into it, and it really struck a chord personally, I think that was it. Um it kind of pushed us to go out there and, and achieve it. And it kind of made me realise that life can be quite short. Um, mm. You know, there's another incident that I had um, was uh, I, I took the girlfriend to when I was working still working at BA Systems. Uh, I first met my and we went away to Berlin for the Christmas markets. And we were actually involved in um, a, a guy who drove, drove through the market, no worries. So, t- the terrorist attack, and we were right right there and since, since all that unfolded. And obviously, tried helping out in the aftermath of it um, and whatnot. But I think that, that between the two incidents happening in quite a short period of time, it really drove home to me the importance that life is quite short. So, it's like, well, I see things that I want to go out and do this and achieve that, and I'll make the best effort I can to do that. Mm. Um, like that. so yeah, I think I think that's kind of um, what motivates me really is to to go out and achieve what I can.
0: Mm. I like that. Rugby union or rugby league, you play? Uh,
1: I've played a bit of both. Um, prefer league to be honest. Uh, I've played um, you prefer league. Wow, well now yeah, prefer rugby league. Yeah, I'm
0: gonna have to end the call there. Sorry,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean. Look, I'm a big England rugby fan as well. Eh? In the World Cup, it was a shame about the final. Um, mm. But yeah, eh, rugby league is traditionally, eh, you know, that was one of the rugby league heartlands. Eh? so I grew up playing rugby league. Eh? I think the first time I ever played union, I got up um, after you know after after running through and breaking the line or whatever, got up and played the ball, and the referee was laughing that much. I don't think he could blow his whistle. <laughs> well, did so. you do the
0: old chicken scratch? Did you in the middle of a union? A union. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I basically got up and played the ball like you would in rugby league and <laughs> you don't you don't oh. do that in rugby union.
0: No, you really don't. Oh, that's cool, man. <clears throat> I mean so We're not, b- not going to the time when everyone's laughing at you. Well, it it would
1: have been cool for us
0: union lot to stand and watch <laughs> right. Feel f- feel free to uh, like come over to Union and play a real sport, you know. We don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't really want to watch touch rugby, which is basically what the do.
1: Uh, bit, bit out of shape at, at, at the moment Mike I think that's yeah. nice that I, I wanted to get back involved with um, trying to find balance of my life at the moment between mm. working full time um, university uh, and everything else it, It's it can be quite hard at times but yeah. uh, I started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu recently um, okay. and, and you know the first few months were brilliant mm. um, and then I got back, went back to university like your know, second year started and uh, <laughs> I think I've been down about three times now so uh, to trying to find the right balance can be quite tough, but uh, I think once I get my Master's diploma finished, I've got more free time to, to do that. At the end of the day, it's a sacrifice for what I'll pay off later in my mm. life. Um, although, I do want to do a, a MBA or a PhD. Um, I keep saying you know, I don't think after the Master's um, is complete, will I be finished uh, doing courses uh, and whatnot. There's still a lot of knee-wash courses that I'm kind of eyeing up as well. Uh, mm. And One of the other things is um, I actually am quite interested in Believe it or not, the MCRQ route, um, you know, I think everyone keeps comparing the two. So for me, um, I, you know, I wouldn't mind actually doing both and actually saying, well, I've done both, this is, this is what, what it is. But at the same time, you know, the self-funding aspect of it, uh, it will be something that will come later rather than mm. sooner.
0: That's interesting. Um, I don't know many people that would have done both. Like both the, the same level. I mean, there's a lot of people that have, have done the general and then for, and then on the NCRQ they've done the diploma or something like that. Would be interested. Let, let let let's stick on that route. Then let's have a a chat about about like Nibosh and diplomas and NCRQs and. Um, there's so many, isn't there? I mean you you you're saying there you're doing the do the degree the, 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 the I can't talk today. The degree <laughs> root as well. Christmas started early. I've been drinking like every day for the last five days. I feel, rough. <laughs> I feel rough. Brilliant. Um, no, it's not it's not brilliant. I, I, I drank a lot, just like you know, like when you drink a little bit like every day, like two or three beers or something. I'm just like this morning, I yeah, if you I'm feel
1: dry. lousy each day, i do not You then that's a oh, problem. You have it's yeah,
0: I, just, I, 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 like, I like my beer, don't get me wrong. I, I love a good ale and stuff like that. So, I, every you know, Friday, Saturday, I'll have a couple of beers. But Christmas comes and I'm just like, get the beers in. And I just feel <laughs> rough now. I said to the wife this morning, I'm not drinking anything today, other than water and orange juice, anyway. Um, <laughs> so we got so many roots, and I think it'd be an interesting conversation because. I remember a gentleman on LinkedIn a while ago this this was a few months back he put a post on um, on LinkedIn saying that basically uh, I kind of paraphrase what he says or well, it's not even paraphrasing i can 't remember what he said, but it was along the lines of The the NEBOSH is a higher standard qualification. The NCRQ is a cheaper, easier, quicker route, and that employ that he, as an employer, would only employ somebody that had done a NEBOSH diploma. So we're talking degree level, level six, um, over any other, because in his opinion, the NEBOSH would produce better um, safety professionals. Now. That's a person that's done the NEBOSH general, um, the IEMA, uh, which is the Institute of M- Institute Management of, um,
1: of Environment Association or something like that, I don't know. Institute of um, Environmental Management Association,
0: I think it is, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Um, like <laughs> but it's very closely related to NEBOSH, like they're extremely similar other than the fact that IEMA yeah. is, um, is open book. Um, but but notoriously both extremely difficult end of course exams to pass so then you've got the the, the, the degree level now for me personally my opinion is not that either produces a better safety professional than the other what what i think yeah people- I think it's all about learning styles. So so yeah. from, from doing the NCIQ diploma, it's very much core, uh, case study based. You read a case study, they ask you questions, then you, 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 you learn around each different case study, yeah. which is normally an incident that's happened. Now, obviously, they use case studies in NEBOSH, but it's all based on coursework and, and, and work that you produce yourself, um, kind of similar to the NVQ. Um, but I, I've been told I've never done the NVQ, so anyone listening, feel free to put in the comments and stuff about it. But like I've been told, it's very similar to like an apprenticeship style. Like you work, you you get stuff that you do at work and produce. Yeah, it. yeah, that's um, what I've heard. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you've you've done every other route, <laughs> by the sounds of it. Um, <laughs> Um, so, so, like, what's your? Do you have an opinion? Do you think one is better than the other, or like for producing to, a safety, a better quality safety professional?
1: I think to say one qualification um, produces a better safety professional is very narrow-minded. Mm. I think it's wrong as well. Um, I think generally you'll find safety professionals that have come through any of the routes really that will be fantastic. I think you know you got to look at beyond the qualification and look at who the person is behind that, like the personality aspects. Um, but i think the qualification route um depends on what people are doing with the life of that time i think you know f- from an employment point point of view i right, you know if i was appointing someone i'd look at them and say oh well, you've, you've gone down this route why did you go down that route and i'd be looking at, at, at understanding what the what the mindset was you know mm. was it that you you know you, you've got a uh, wife kids at home you've you have self funded them um, you're working within the, organ- the industry and you've got uh, maybe five years experience already so you thought well i'll do the mvq route because it'd be just proving what I'm doing, or the NCIQ room, um, Or it might be someone that said, well, um, I chose Nibosh, well, why did you choose Nibosh an And Well, um, they've seen it in a lot of job adverts, and all oh, right, fair enough, it makes sense. But I think you've got to go beyond the qualification to understand the professional, and um, I think it would be very narrow-minded to do that. That being said, the, one of the reasons why I actually actively encourage people to choose a Nibosh route um, is because a lot of the job adverts out there and this is not, um, I think it's some employers being quite ignorant to what, what's out there, is that they say, I'm going qualified or I must have wash and it's like, well, yeah, there is two other options there but, you know, if, if, if I'm just starting off in the industry and I'm looking for a qualification that is going to get me noticed by these employers and going to get me into that interview and I don't have loads of experience then I will, I'm going to go do the knee NEBOSH room um, because they're doing that. I feel that, I feel that, if I've got the MV uh, or the M V Q route, then I'm fighting an uphill battle with that employer to get into the interview. Now it might not necessarily be a job that you'd want to stay there a long time, but you know, they might be very ignorant towards health and safety, but you know, you're still gonna you know, people are still gonna want to get started and get that experience. So sometimes you've got to take a sacrifice in in, in the role that you want to get where you want to get being five years, ten years time. So yeah, I, I think I think there's wider wide, wide discussion now in terms of what what the um, which one's best for which person. But again, uh, I think to, 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 to something like that would be very very harsh and very unfair. As much as mm. I am a big Neymar fan, um, and that's purely because I've, I've sat it and I quite enjoyed it. I think um, you know you got to look at the wider aspects of someone's life and, and where they are, and what they're doing, and and I mean for money as well. You know, if you're self-funding the glass, you know if one's cheaper than the other, then why are you not gonna go, for, go for the cheapest course? You know, okay. i have i've paid probably um you know tens of thousands of pounds in courses and one of the things that i'm going to turn around and say is that you know i've worked within you know some major organizations I've, I've worked with some small organizations i've worked with in different sectors and uh, i've spoken to many you know people that are high up in the industry or you consider high up in the industry and i think there's people that do stuff and there's people that aren't and that's simple as it is it doesn't matter what qualification you have or what experience you have. There's people that will go ahead and they'll do, do what they said they're going to do and there's people that will give you all the talk and all that and in two years' time they'll still be talking about it and you're going, well, you know, time done this and this. So, mm. you know, that, 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 that's that's my kind of way I see it, really. But whether that's right or wrong, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. And I think, I think they seem to qualifications in general seem to hold so much weight and I I think it's disproportionate weight I think and this is just my opinion this is literally just my opinion and a few people that I might have chatted to on the on my travels but we seem to especially in our industry have forgotten experience like experience just doesn't seem to matter anymore and and it's like you know back when i was you know when i say when i was young i'm not that old but like you know when i was younger it was like experience is is the thing you need and i remember that because i remember being at a young age trying to get jobs and being like well how are you ever going to get experience if every job wants experience and i remember saying that to my mates but now it's like you won't even get your foot in the door if you don't have a diploma And and i understand that to a point but it's like, there's got to be a point where you say, okay, fair enough. You haven't got a diploma, but you've got 15 years experience, for example. Yeah. Does that matter? You know, it's like, what you're asking for what, one piece of paper. So if you've got say like 15, let's say like an average experience level for a management job is like five plus years. So let's say you've got 10 years experience. You've got double the amount they're requiring, right? Double the amount of experience and they go. You haven't got a diploma, so we can't employ you. But I've got 10 years' experience. So, yeah, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. We want the diploma. All right. So I'll go and pay, I'll go and buy the diploma. I spend a year just smashing through three books to get a certificate, just regurgitating everything that I know just to get a certificate. Will you employ me? Yes. And it's like, really? I just think it really... I get why we do it. I get we need to evidence our experience or evidence our training, evidence, and that qualifications hold a value 100%. I'm not saying get rid of them. What I'm saying is I think they hold a disproportionate value against people... Yes skills people's soft skills which will probably come on to talk about people's experience you know everyone talks about soft skills you know you see the job at job titles F- right uh, not titles sorry job descriptions job adverts left right saying, oh it's important you have soft skills blah 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 uh, but we're not gonna we're not gonna even going talk to you if you don't have a diploma so well, soft skills obviously aren't that much that much more important but it, yes yeah. <laughs> I, I find they whole they they hold way too much weight
1: I think the soft skills um is certainly something that's um, thrown around by a lot of people um, quite easily when Mm. you don't actually consider what you know how long it takes to develop soft skills because soft skills can take a lot more time to develop um, You and they, vary by, they
0: vary by like personality i think as well some people yes. can really I'm, I'm naturally more of a soft skills based person like naturally i'm a talkative person i like building relationships i like engaging love my sound of my own voice <laughs> so that's why <laughs> i like being a trainer Think you know influencing relationship building things like that i love that so naturally i'm drawn to that i hate academic based stuff sitting down reading law reading case stuff now yeah so it does depend on your personality as well you know some people it, it, to me it sounds like you you quite enjoy the learning side of things and building qualifications so maybe that comes quite naturally to you i, I don't know uh,
1: yeah i mean both really um you know i think uh you know just want to just touch back a second on um on the soft skills um you know it's always saying you need technical skills and you do need technical skills but if you don't know how to get across a message you know, you don't know how to have that soft skill to communicate with people and drive home the message, then it's all ongoing it's good knowing everything, but you're not going to pass it on to people and you're not going to have the effect in an organisation that they want. Um, so that's why I think soft skills need to be considered as important. Um, but in terms of, me, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I enjoy uh, learning the aspects of it, I enjoy learning new stuff all the time, um, but then I also enjoy speaking to people and actually finding out what the problem is. And um, I think one of the things that I'm, I always try to do is find a sensible solution uh, and work with, uh, you know, work with the various people or the various stakeholders to try and find something that balances everyone's needs and and gets business going forward. Um, I'm very keen to to understand that some problems, yeah, they're not a, they're not a quick fix, and the, the last thing that I always want to do is is was to stop work or to. You know, have a negative impact on the business because I think as soon as you start doing that, then you start um, getting yourself pushed out of uh, out of the circle, so to speak, in terms of you know a lot. lot, You know, if you don't have positive uh, interactions with health and safety, you don't push positive, don't push positive message, and you don't um, reach sensible conclusions, then you're going to find people are going to start doing stuff without um, telling you. You know, it's like the police approach. Mm. If you start trying to police health and safety and be very authoritarian, if, uh, authoritarian and whatnot then you're going to see people are going to be, be trying to get stuff done without seeing you they're going to try to do it behind your back uh, and you can't be everywhere at once so i think stuff like that will happen if you start trying to um, stop work a all the time and start trying to put um, in place stuff that isn't practical you need to make sure that the changes that you're making and what you're implementing is practical and you are it is actually um addressing the the need that you're trying to address um you know i have seen some um health and safety stuff uh be recommended or be 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 implemented um within certain organizations where you're looking at going that doesn't even address the problem you're looking at properly but um yeah i think that's that's where we as a as a profession you know need to encourage sensible solutions
0: Mm. i think you know what i think you hit the nail on the head there when you're talking about that kind of police officer mentality i've said that time and time again you know if if you're not building relationships which really is what this is all about if you are if you're not seen as a person that the business can go to for solutions they're not going to come to you and and i say like yeah sometimes you know I, i'm quite an honest person and i've been on training courses and delivered training courses sorry and um and you know been really honest with people about the company that we're working for and the positions of where we are i've had i remember having a lady come over to me and be like i don't know how you still got a job when you're so honest about the business and 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 the board and the poor positions that we're in and (laughs) and i remember saying to this lady like you know it might become a problem for me at one point somebody might pull me in a disciplinary meeting be like james we can't have you telling people that the board don't really care about safety, uh, <laughs> which obviously I've not said, but, but that didn't. <laughs> um, I, I, if, I'm, if I was to say to somebody on a training course, say, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, safety is so important, and then we don't do any of that stuff then they lose trust in me. So then that one time that I turn up on their site or their building or wherever, and I say, well, Robert, you've got to stop doing that right now. This is some serious shit. Stop. They're not going to listen. And I need them to trust me because last time we saw James, he said something and it never happened. So I've got no trust. I need them to trust me.
1: And, and it's and, that leadership credibility isn't
0: it that's a much better way to put it <laughs> it is exactly that it really is and you've got to build those relationships you've got to build trust i think is the biggest one and you've got to i remember <clears throat> working in manufacturing we really struggled to get uh, honest safety observations and um, and I said, oh, can, I, can I just play around with this? I was very young. I was very excited about having said I wanted to try it some new ways. I've read a load of books about Sydney Decker and Safety Differently. And I was starting to look at all these other ways of, of doing stuff. And I was thinking, oh, I'll just try something. Um, and my boss was like, yeah, crack on. You know, it can't get any worse. So off you go. Basically I basically, prob- well, the, the situation where we you're in was is, is that kind of observed behaviour. So when you're observed, you act completely differently to as you act normally. Yeah. So I said, okay, I want to stop doing safety observations for a couple of months. So I want let I want to let people forget about them, and then what I want to do is I want to go to the team leader and just not even mention the word safety observation. Just say, hey, do you mind if you if I just get taught how to learn work on the back of the line, like packing or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, so they, they taught me how to work on the back of the line for a couple of very specific painful orders that you needed a lot more people on. And then I said, right, I'm going to do a bit of a safety observation, but I'm going to work. So I'm going to come along and I'm going to help them pack boxes. Yeah. And then when the operator goes down to the back of the machine, I'm going to say, hey, Bob, do you mind if I just come down with you? Uh, I'm, no clipboard, no paperwork, no nothing put it in my head, I remember it, now yeah. that's quite hard for some people, I get that, but you you're following down, just have a conversation with him, and he, you know, what, what yeah. are you struggling here with, with Rob, what, what are your pains here, what, oh, do you know what, this machine, it's got this one big pipe here that engineering put in, I have to duck every time, it's a pain in the ass, yeah. okay, so now we've got a problem, we found something, let's see if we come up with a solution. And, and it got to a point after a couple of months, we would get an email saying, "Hey, we've got this really big order coming in. Do you want to do a safety observation?" Because they weren't looking at it like a safety observation; they were looking at it like an extra pair of hands packing packing bubble wrap at the end of the at the end of the line. Yeah. And it was just like you've just changed that perception of it.
1: That's it. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that I have worked myself is, is to do something similar. Um, yeah, so I speaking to my boss uh, about how we get people interacted more within um, health and safety, and it's a similar approach to what you're saying was that when I'm going down um, some the lines and speaking to people, um, it's actually getting involved. You know, getting involved in tasks that they're doing, and uh, you know, helping out with that, and not actually doing an observation from standing there with clipboard and watching. It's actually through interacting and doing that, and we found that we had so much more success with that kind of approach. Uh, you know, and, and another thing that um, I've done wherever I've went, is just go speak to people and have an honest conversation with them about you know, what they're struggling with at the moment, what's going on. Um, you know, I remember once on site, I was talking to a few operators about football. And uh, we're staying at, I was staying at a hotel um, nearby to them. And yeah, that night, we met up, we watched the football, had some, some food. Um, and they were having one or two pints, and they, they were scared to get a pint uh, when, I was, when they was eating, eating a meal with me. And I said, look, if you're having one or two pints for your meal, that's not a problem. But, well, you know, if, if you're going to go have 10 pints and then go into work the next day, then obviously I'm going to be upset. Um, but yeah, we had had a conversation about, about uh, you know, what what they do in the evenings and stuff like that. And that's one of the things where I thought, actually, you know, some of these are working away from home. What do we do to address that issue when they're working away from home? And it's the evenings, you know, they're not, they're not, some of them don't want to go to the pub. But, uh, you know, what they want to do is they want something to fill the nights they're, they're bored. You know, there's only so much TV that, that they can watch. and. Um, you know, they're, they're missing home, missing the kids, the wife and whatnot. So we kind of had an idea about, about uh, maybe having the kitty together that, you know, they to take a ball in order to just get them doing something outside of what um, you would usually do. Um, I like that. And I've noticed a lot of the principal contractors within uh, construction now, a lot of the sites will have, like, five-side football leagues or they'll have uh, exercise classes or they'll have different initiatives going on to kick, to get the team A, A, B, 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 B Involved together, so you have people interacting that perhaps wouldn't necessarily draft. But you'd also have, um, you know, them all doing something that would potentially be fitness-wise, which would get them off the couch and would also get them, you know, away from you know, drinking, say fizzy pop or uh, beer, even. So uh, I think we are seeing a lot more of this holistic approach, which is you know looking actually beyond just the tackling mental health, but tackling mm-hmm. the wider health issues for employees. Um, and I think. You look back at a lot of organisations. I think it's actually the second coming, um, because the first time uh, I think is when you look back at a lot of uh, the industrial revolution, and there's a lot of football teams sprung up. Uh, you know, a lot of sports teams sprung up, but even police teams used to have football. I think we starting to see more and more companies actually go back to this approach of having you know football teams or having the initiatives go on. Hmm. Uh, so hopefully, that that's kind of how. Um, you know, hopefully we can do go towards that approach. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I kind of, you know, found that. And I couldn't believe it. A lot of organisations let them kind of fall by the wayside. But, uh, yeah, years ago, apparently once, you know, f- you know factories used to have football teams and rugby mm-hmm. teams and, and stuff like that. And yeah. I just can't believe it's something that's kind of, yeah, subsided almost.
0: Yeah, you, you're spot on. I? I mean, and just in a in a town close to me, Corby, they um got a huge... Uh, football, I, I like sports uh, kind of group where it's like football, rugby, and it's they're called SNL, so Corby SNL um, and SNL stands for Stuart oh, I'm going to get this wrong now I think it's Stuart and Lloyd <laughs> which are like the old, I believe it's the old steel um, factory, um, they created big football ground, they created a rugby club and they're now bigger than, they're still going but they're bigger than the Corby the, the actual Corby Town team. Um, <laughs> and, and it's just like, you, you're right. We used to do that stuff all the time. It's interesting when, uh, kind of what you just said, very similar to what um, Jason anker said when he came on the podcast. So, well, we used to be so good at the social side of things. Like, yeah. If you think about it, you have like the, the cons club, the working man's club. You've yeah. got all these pubs and clubs. And granted, it's all men's base. So we could do with being a bit more diverse there. But, um, oh, definitely, yeah. But, but they've gone now. You know, you go into these clubs and they're, they're, they're just dead. There's just no one in there. So Jason was saying, like, we used to be so good at the social side. We've, we've lost that. We, we, we go to work. We work. We finish at five o'clock and we go to home. Some people go home to nothing. Some people go home to a totally different group of friends. But I mean, from, from my point of view, playing, I remember when I was working in manufacturing, we used to have like golf outings. So we used to, all of us just go yeah. out, play golf. Like it was a whole day off work and the managers were like, okay with it. As long as too many people weren't into it. Now, luckily not everybody was into golf or else we would have been screwed. But there was still a lot of us going and playing this golf day. And it was great. You had management mixed in with operators. You had team yeah. leaders from different shifts all working together, all playing golf. It doesn't matter whether you're shit, whether you're great. It was a good laugh. We had a nice breakfast. We had lunch and then we played another, I think we played another nine holes and then we went home. Um, we had you know, trophies and stuff like that. For me, as a safety professional, I remember I didn't play golf, but I went and brought some golf clubs, went down the driving range because that was an opportunity for me to build relationships. to know these people and I think you're right we've completely forgot that side of things and and I think if any business anyone's listening to this whether you're a safety professional business owner business it doesn't matter but you know can you do a bit more around that kind of social thing building relationships and things that I think is so valuable
1: definitely I I think yeah I mean the the local sports club it's now called Harcourt Sports Park what used to be Vickers sports club, um, and that actually stemmed from the shipyard. And mm. you know they had everything. football. Would be, um, they even had a shooting club at one point, uh, balls, uh, all sorts. Um, uh, and then you go up to uh, Overstone, and I think it was uh, Glaxo Sports Club. They had a sports club and a bar there. And again, they had football and uh, all these different sports going on. Um, and it just it just surprises me that a lot of organisations have now you know, they, they don't understand that aspect. It's just like, you know, you, you, talk, you talk about lost skills or lost knowledge sometimes, but that's actually a hope, you know, happened right across the board that a lot of organisations have, you know, cut back or they've, you know, tried to make, make the profit more leaner um, to make more profit. But you look back and you think actually, you know, sometimes the bit of goodwill that you create will, you know, create more profit because people will be willing to go above and beyond in the roles. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly find that you... What you put into something is what you get out so the more you put into your employees and uh, and spot them in not just uh, the work aspects but in the social aspects and in their personal aspects and the more you will get out of the employer uh, so the employees. um so yeah
0: yeah i think that's so true i remember having a conversation a while ago i was trying to um i was trying to pitch to a business i was working for at the time to say we 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 basically had primarily digital digital based training that was really all we did we had the odd uh we had the odd external trainer come in to our properties and deliver some training here and there but it was very rare mostly e learning <clears throat> and remember talking about this, we, we were basically just trying to make training and, and coaching, et cetera, and at different levels. So e learning fit within this framework we were building, but, but we were trying to sell some physical training for some very specific things, but, but physical training externally delivered. So, well, I, I, I would deliver it, but it was externally delivered. If we could get our properties, um, and, and use it in our offices and that's fine, but I would have loved to us been able to get more, uh, in hotels and things like that. And I remember the challenge back was, yeah, but why we've got our own buildings, we can do it in our own buildings because it's so much more than just delivering training is if you walk into this hotel, for example, and you look around as a delegate and you go, wow, this place is beautiful. Or you're driving into the car park and you're like, wow, this must've cost a bomb. doesn't matter if it cost a bomb or not. We could have got it on a cheap deal, but as they walk in, They go, wow. And what happens? They feel invested in. They feel like that That's business it, yeah. cares and they feel like I'm worth something. And they're driving it up. It does so much as a trainer, it puts them in a positive mindset straight away, which is yeah. for me, as a trainer is, is great. But once they, that, that then they're, they're then more engaged in the training. They then learn more. They finish the training. They go back to work. They've had the training. They've understood, but also they feel like you've invested in them. And I think there is so much value in that. Um, there's so much value in just it's the silly little things I find, it's uh, you know going to a training course and you can go away with pens and, and stress balls and, and all this free shit, this free tap really, <laughs> that no one really cares about, but you just get this sense of investment and some people say, oh it's a load of rubbish, it doesn't really matter, people don't think like that, I do personally, yeah. I've been on courses I remember my Nibosh course it was a very, very, they've got a bit downhill for the, the last couple of months, but so I won't make sure who they are, but the training center that we used um, were great. We went there and we had pub lunches. At, in, in We basically got in a car and went to a local pub. There like six or seven local village pubs. And had like this amazing food. And you were just like, do you know what? And I'll work my ass off for the next two years that I was there for that business. You know, because I yeah. felt invested in.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think some of the training courses that I've been on, they've had... Um, this it sounds really that da- really daft and you'll be surprised when I say it but the, we're giving all the operatives um, tea and coffee and biscuits mm. it's such a simple thing to do but I, I have been on the other aspect to, within an organisation when went on a course and you know you were having to put in, you know, p- put money in to, to get a, a, a cup of coffee that was like in a, in a little <laughs> uh, plastic thing like that and I was there going well you know the, they're obviously just running for this is just something that's one of the mill thing we're just mm. trying to get people trained you're not really bothered but the difference in you know have it having um you know tea and coffee which costs you know generally not next to and out yeah. um even for a multi-million pound or multi 1000000000 pound organization to train employees tea and coffee does not cost um you know it's not going to break the bank if that's going to break the bank then you probably need to look at your organization <laughs> as a whole really and think you know what's going on but yeah. you know, in terms of getting that value, though, like the difference between just you know, you know, just a normal cup, um, tea and coffee there for years, uh, biscuits. You know, the entire approach is completely different, and you did, you do, you feel invested in. Um, but then, you know, you put my effort not only in the course, but you come with the course thinking, yeah, I've had, you know, i really, really enjoyed that course, uh, And then when you're speaking to all people in the organisation, going, oh yeah, I enjoyed that course, This, this is this, this is that. This happened. Got to do this. And other people are going. Oh, I'm looking forward to that course then. Mm. Or if 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 it's just not a if it's not a mandatory mandatory course, it going, Oh I might go on that myself and I quite like that idea. Um but we've you know, we've all probably heard as managers, um, you know, when when you've asked asked someone about something and they've turned around and said, Oh, well, it's not that code or it's this and that, we well, think hang kind on of a second, then why are we investing in that then it's not worth it? If if, if they they're telling you negative stuff straight away, you're thinking we need to change it, but the difference in a in a little small thing like that, the approach of that. Um, really drives home you know they're coming out of that, that, that training session going yeah I really enjoyed it this was positive this was brilliant um, you know, and, and the tea and coffee aren't, isn't necessarily going to change that you know it's, it's a whole environment you know it's the room that you have it's the um, little things like tea and coffee it's the trainer make sure you've got an engaging trainer I mean you know, I can't count the number of times that I've had a trainer where they've just stood there talked to me and in the same monotone voice and I've been there going <laughs> you well know, I want to read the books then or something. You know, to, to me, you know, you need to make sure you invest in the right training. You do pay for mm. what you get. You know, some training courses, you you might see, um, you know, you might see a training course for uh, 200 quid or something, but then the other training course is the exact same course, but it's, it's 300 quid. Well, why are you paying 300 quid, why are you paying 200 quid? Well, the difference is when you come out of that 300 quid course, the the employee, employee is going to be a lot more, feel invested in, it. they're going to learn a lot more, the approach is going to be a lot better. Um, generally I find, you know, you pay for what you get, whereas the 200 pound cost, you're probably gonna, you know, you, you could, your success rate might be lower as well, that's another good thing is to look at success rates. Um, you know, I've always seen that, you look at success rates from some organizations, so publish, you know, the pass rate and something of, say the Nibosh, and they've got a percent pass rate for the Nibosh general set, and you're going, that's quite high that, but then, you know, you're thinking. Well, actually, you probably use that as well. So mm. you pay for what you get. But mm. if I'm if I if I'm going to put that put someone through that, or I want to pay for it myself, and I'm going to go for the the Dima class.
0: Yeah, true. I think kind of what you're saying, like what, about the. Um... There's so much more to it than just the investment side of things, but I think, yeah. I think you're so right. Because um, there was a gentleman put on LinkedIn the other day a quite an interesting post, but it was more from a culture point, point of view, um, which essentially is what we're talking about here. Is you kind of,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's culture, yeah, it's safety culture and company culture. Um, I the people which have you know, similar things are connected, but your safety culture is definitely indicative of your by company culture, and well, that's how I feel it is. And I think if you push safety culture right, it'll help the culture within your organization which you know anyone that's in a managerial position would surely want
0: mm. yeah i kind of i've always explained it like you, it's a business culture so you've you've got a business culture and and that uh, and that, that's it. So I always explain it like a pie. If you imagine you've got a pie or a pizza, yeah. for example, right? And each slice of the pizza is a different section of the business where you've got uh, your, your salary, you've got the attitude or how you're communicating, yeah. you've got uh, feedback, you've got all this stuff in here. Um, health and safety is one of them. And you've got all these training, et cetera, competencies, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you could take one of those, let's say you're not very good at training, because we're talking about training, so we're not very good at that. So you take that one slice of pizza and you throw it away, right? You've still got a pizza, so you've still got a business culture, you're just not very good at that one bit. You're missing that one bit of slice of the pie, for example. So what you need to do is is kind of get that pie back, work on that bit of the pie, that bit of the pizza, and just focus on that one piece, that, that one slice, and put it and put it back in. Or that one piece of the pizza is a bit shit; they've missed the toppings off, for example. So you could focus on that one bit, but you've still got that business culture, and essentially what this person was talking about was, ironically, he was talking about companies doing uh, Pizza Fridays and having beanbags in their their offices so people can, you know, like the kind of Google side of things. And and you're looking at it. He was saying, like, that's all well and good, but actually it means fuck all if you're, you're, you know, overworking, underpaying, talking to people like shit, bullying them, uh, you know, all this stuff that goes on, you know, you've got no real bonuses or anything like that. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing if you have a pizza Friday. And now I, I 100% agree with him. 100%. Oh, I could agree with that as well. But exactly. I It's comment- a bigger picture. Yes, exactly. So I commented saying, look, 100% agree. A lot of businesses, they look at, they throw, they band around the word culture, especially in safety. Uh, you know, we, we band that word culture around all the time. We don't think that there's so much to this. But the pizza Fridays, they still help. So if you're yeah. going to do them, then do them. That's fine. Start, them, yeah. but you've got to work on the stuff underneath as well. And that's the same with this training stuff. You know, you can send somebody, and I think that's kind of what you were saying. But you can send a, a, a group to a really nice plush hotel, plush training ground. But if the trainers shit, mo- monotone voice, and it's a boring and it's talking about section two, line four of the health and safety, <laughs> nobody cares. And that's it. You've, yeah. you've wasted all that money now. Um, and I, so, I
1: kind yeah. of think that was similar to, to kind of what you were saying. No, no, one hundred percent. It's it's even bigger picture. You know, you know, it's, it's it's thinking about the direction that you want to go and 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 what the whole point of this is is that you're doing. Um, you know, it's like right, you get caught up in the specifics and whatnot. Um, you can get carried away in terms of terms of how like they're doing that, we're going to do that. But mm. actually, you know, you understand why you're doing it. You know, you gotta go back to your main aim, what's your aim? Right, well this is what we wanted to push, this is what we wanted to do. And making sure it all ties in to have that whole package that makes the employee feel invested in. Um otherwise if you you know you, you, you book out a fancy hotel that you say and, and you do all this stuff then you know the trainer's not going to deliver the message that you want. It's like, well lost lost the point of this. But you know I think, I think you're definitely right with that. Um and, and it's a thing that a lot of organisations struggle with, you know, a lot of organisations go like we're gonna improve the company culture, or we're gonna improve this, and uh, we're gonna do something like Pizza Fridays. Um which is a great thing to do, you know, if if, if, if you do Pizza Fridays, I'm sure a lot of employees will be quite happy. Uh, mm. if my organisation organisation decides that they're gonna buy us a pizza on Friday, I'm more than happy for them to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah, you know, you've got to have the wider wider fit there, you know. It's exactly what you say. Um so many organisations will get, you know, they'll call Google some this or this organisation's on this, we're gonna copy that idea, but yeah, but what's your bigger picture, though? It's got to tie in with your strategy mm. of your organisation. Um, and, and, you know, you look at Alpha Safety strategy, you've got to make sure that ties in with your company strategy. It's all right saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to do this within Alpha Safety, but then the rest of the company is going in the opposite direction. You're going to find yourself having a lot of um, clashes very well, sooner or later at some point, and then you're going to find yourself fighting an uphill battles to try and get your agenda, um, to get people to spot your agenda if they're all moving in a different direction. So, yeah, I be to percent with that.
0: Yeah. The, the, there is so much to it, but at the same time, like, I do genuinely think it's so simple sometimes. It, it's kind of like you're, you're just trying to create a business <clears throat> where everybody wants to be. You know, and that sounds crazy. And always, I remember talking about this with um, Devin I think it was Devon Tony, where We were talking about he wrote a book called The Belonging Factor, creating a culture of belonging so people feel like they belong. I know a challenge in being like, okay, well, what if someone's got like a, a shit job? So what if somebody, you know, uh, it's hard to say without offending people, but like somebody would think that they you know, a cleaner, for example, is not a great job, but some people genuinely love being a cleaner, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. And frankly, the world needs people that love jobs like that, you know, so some people look at a bin man and go, oh, I never do that. But some people just love being a bin man and their sense of kind of service and and, and things like that within it. And I said to him, well, how do you say like a multinational company, like a huge company where the CEO is so far removed from that cleaner how do they create a sense of belonging that far down the line? And I remember him saying, like, it's it's not so much about getting him, the the, the cleaner, to love cleaning. It's to love cleaning for that business. That's it, yeah. Love working for that business. And I was like, nailed it. What a good point that is! It's is for it's to create a business. I've got to spend eight hours a day there every five days a week. It's like I only spend yeah. two days at home, Saturday and Sunday. And some people don't even get that with the, with doing the things I love. So why should yeah. I not create a place where people want to be? Because one at the end of the day, you're gonna be like, well, that's all well and nice, Jane. You know, it's all well and good, James. It sounds lovely, but like. I've got to get i get shit done. You know this product needs to go out the door. That's fair enough. But if you suck it up for the time being, create a place where I want to work. Imagine how hard I'm going to work for you. I'm going to slot it that. for eight hours.
1: That's it. Um, you know you've got to find. You know. You're gonna find people who are more willing to put the hard work in and the effort in, and they're gonna buy into it, and they're gonna push it uh, onto people. And they're gonna go and out telling friends, or oh, I work for such a fantastic organisation And mm. I, I have friends that, that you know, and I've done that myself. Um, you, know, you turn around and say, "Yeah, I actually love, love working here. It's fantastic." Um, and I've also been in jobs where I've worked somewhere and I've been like, "I don't enjoy this. I can't wait to, can't wait to find my next next position." And mm. you know, I know people that I've been, you know, I know I know one or two of my friends that have. Um, Told me about other organisations they've worked in and you know people are sat in toilets for you know i mean i think i only remember one person watching and sat in the toilet um you know they, they went in with a big bag in the back and the guy's like what the hell and you know then he's, at the end of the day he sees the guy walk out of the toilet and he's been in there all day on it with a, you know on a phone or with a newspaper or whatever and he's like what um and you're thinking well yeah they've got no incentive to do what they do they, they, they hate the organisation they work in and, that, you know, they're not getting pushed, they're not getting challenged, they're not for whatever reason. And, you know, the horror stories that I've heard, a lot of people say stuff like that. Is it's unbelievable. Um, but, you know, you go towards addressing that and, and say, well, you know, how do you make an organisation that people want to work in? Well, first off, you you know, you, you actually look at the people as people, um, mm. not as someone that's doing a job. Um, that, that, that's for me, it's as simple as, you know, treating people like people and looking at what would I need if I wanted to do that job. That, that's how I see it anyway. And whether that's right or wrong, you know, someone to come along and say, well, actually, no, you know, you did it wrong. But the way I see it is treat people as people and put yourself in them shoes and think, what would I want if I'm in them shoes?
0: Yeah, John, I think that that's a great point. You know, somebody come... Uh, I think we're quite similar in in the way we are thinking about it. And I remember actually somebody actually telling me that the way that I think about uh, business culture and safety and et cetera was, was wrong. Um, That, that I think I'm of a, I'm of an opinion that we should have much less, procedures and policies in a lot of the businesses that i've worked for over the years i find we're very paper-based so i was talking about this meeting and I said, All "Right, jane the question was posed to me james if you were to imagine the ideal situation of where the business would be from a safety point of view uh what, what would it be and i was like much less paperwork much higher competencies. I'm going to really yeah. bring it down into one simple sentence. There is so much more that goes into this, but I would want to upskill nearly everybody proportionately to their roles. Um, and I would want to dramatically reduce the amount of instructions and procedures that we got. And I remember the challenge was it won't work. I said, how do you know it won't work? <laughs> and he said, well, because you know, I used to work for this business so I had a procedure for everything. It was amazing. You just knew what you needed to do. And I was like, do you, want to, do you want to explain what you mean? And she was like, yeah, so this company I work for, it, it, it had a procedure for everything, like making a cup of tea. And I was like, do you not know how to make a cup of tea then? <laughs> and she was like, well, no, obviously I know how to make a cup of tea. So why do you need a procedure to tell you how to do it? Yeah, but that's just an example. Like, it just makes me feel more comfortable. Well, if it makes you feel comfortable, then there's a problem within the business. Because yeah. like it makes you feel comfortable because it, it gives you something to blame, in my opinion. That if 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 something goes wrong, you'll say, "Well, I followed the procedure, so it's a procedure's fault." I'd rather get you to a position where you feel confident in what you're doing because you're competent because I've invested in you because you've got support, yeah. people like me as a professional, where you feel confident to make decisions, to to go and yeah. and uh, do what you need to do, what we employed you to do. It's so funny that we we employ people that are so called like competent, technical, and then we get them in and we go, Right, Rob, you know, you really you've spent years upgrading yourself, you've self invested, you're really intelligent, we like what you're doing, we heard you on that podcast, rebranding safety, we really like your message, we want you to come over and work for us, be our manager, and you're like, Yeah or head of safety or whatever And you're like, you're like Yeah and then you get there, first day they're like, Rob, here's a load of procedures and that's how we want you to work.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, work? I think no, I think um, you know. You never. Go, it's like look, go back to the police approach quickly. Um, you're never going to be everywhere at once, and you're never going to have a procedure for everything. You know, there's always going to be something that's going to crop up that either you don't have a procedure for, or it's going to it's going to go against your procedure. Uh, in the day, I, mean, I think if you look at um, there's a Chernobyl miniseries that I, that I watched recently, and you say, well, that couldn't have happened in in, in what they were, what would known, well it did happen, you know mm. what I mean, Like uh, I remember looking at it thinking, oh, you, you know that's going on, and the guy's going, you know, I mean I know that was obviously the way where the organisation was set up there, I mean the old Soviet Union and what but mm. you know you're never going to, you, there's going to be times when the procedure's going to fail or the procedure's not going to be perfect or it's going to be something we can't, and that's why you need to have someone that's confident, that's, that's going to make, it, make a decision and I think some of the best organisations that i have uh, had the privilege of uh you're working with, or, or seeing, or, or learning from is they, they put people in places where they make a decision on what they know, their experience, their skill set, and it might be to disregard a procedure at that point. But there's a reason for it. The reason there's a good reason why they've made it on evidence, and that's the right decision to make. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes you know you've got to do that. I think if you look at um, look at Grenfell, you know, look look at what you're looking at. That right, the procedure was that um, you know you stay in place and evacuation but realistically if, if you had someone that that had a, that was in that position to, mix to say hang on a second we need to get people out of this building as quick as possible everyone you know those that can't escape get down and get out you know would more, more people have survived you know if you had someone that was in that position that was in in leadership that, that could have done that and you know t- to me I think you've got to give that authority to to people that are in, in positions sometimes to to come away from the procedure to say hang on a second the procedure's not going to work or it you know, doesn't matter what organisation you're in whether you're in a bigger, high risk organisation small risk organisation at some point you need a team leader or a manager to to lead and to do that and they're going to have to make a decision that isn't you know that, that the procedure won't count out for
0: mm. I, do, I think there is yeah 100 I, I think there is a value to it and i think the the problem with you know, to kind of stick with the grum, for example i thought it's quite heavily in fire for the last Couple of years, um, and um, and it was, it was, it was. I I particularly don't like talking about it because I think we we don't know 100% of the story yet, but it, it, you know, no, no, definitely, definitely, it's a good good conversation. And I think the, the problem with it is it's a good example for both sides of the coin, really, because we had a procedure, we had a stay put evacuation procedure, and in theory, it works. One hundred percent. So But
1: well, then we go back to in theory though again, all the time. Yep. In theory in theory you could say communism's perfect. But <laughs> well, in reality it's far you know, it is it's worse, you know, essentially. So um yeah, I think I think theory and practicality can be quite different a lot of times I have to agree with uh,
0: I agree with what you're saying. So, so basically, how, how it's supposed to work is it? And, and I'm going to teach you in just because you probably know, but like it, it's all based on compartmentation. So each flat should be fire-resistant yeah, yeah. box for 60 minutes. Um, so, in in theory, still just stick with me, bear with yeah, me. No, for yeah. a minute. so in theory, okay. it, ideally, a a well-built, well-maintained, which is the key thing here, the maintenance of that building, from what we've heard so far. A yeah. purpose-built block of flats is the safest place you can be. Now, I remember watching that video, uh, that, that news story about Granville live, and I remember this lady who had just evacuated the building had managed to be collared by one of the journalists who were throwing loads of questions at the poor woman. And she was saying, oh, I went into the stairwell, and now this was within 30 minutes of it starting. She'd gone into the stairwell, and there was smoke so much smoke that she couldn't see now that is that's like physically impossible if that building was made to standard with the yeah. smoke with the smoke seals the fire doors etc so the procedure works now I'm, I'm a massive supporter of some procedures there should be some yeah. process and policies and procedures the problem is we have too much but the key thing i think with grenfell if you have something if you have something in place it if you have get my words out. If you have something in place, then it's got to work, and you need to yeah. test it, and you need to maintain the systems, the processes behind it to make sure that it works. The problem yeah. is we have too much. Too much of it that you can't see the wood for the yeah. trees because there's just procedures everywhere, and it, it's just crazy sometimes. And and, and Grandpa is a good example for both sides of the coins where procedure should work, we yeah. didn't, and and it, and how we should empower the fire service to make a technical, very difficult decision, um, because you know as a lot of people talking about the fire service saying, um, well they should have changed to a simultaneous evacuation, they should have got everybody out, but how at what point? What point do they make that decision? Yeah, no. Right. It's yeah, really yeah, yeah. hard. It's really hard. They have to, in my opinion, they have to go off the assumption that that building is maintained and suitable for stay put. Because otherwise, how how do they how do they fight the fire? Otherwise, they might as well turn up and assume it's going to explode. It's it's that that's an impossible situation <laughs> for them.
1: Yeah, no, I have 100% sympathy for um the the that situation, and that's uh, spot that's the five-grade and the emergency services, 100%. Um, I think, if, if anything, we, we you know more people should support, um, you know, there should be more support for the, these organisations. Um, okay. look at You look at the funding going, and more funding needs to be given to our emergency services right throughout the country. That, that's, that's not something that, you know, I want to shy away from. I want to turn around and say, no, we as safety professionals should be saying, hang on, you know, there should be more funding to emergency services, you know, mm. say training and competency and this and that. We should be pushing for more funding for... The, a vital a vital skill set that we need um, vital services um, but uh, you know, I, th- I think um, you know, when you look at you have your procedures in place you, you have your practice procedures you put them in place but to me you always need a, um, a competent well trained uh, experienced manager or team leader to, to be in a position without, without processes to uh, say well you know, these processes are working because at the end of the day we audit processes to make sure they work if we find they're not working then we look at changing them um, but I think you know you need someone that understands the processes, understands the, like what's going on, and you know they've got that um, wit about them to turn around and say, actually, you know, we need to deviate from the process, or you know. And I think you know you look at team leaders, or you look at um, people that are in them roles, you know, and, and it's not a job that I think uh, you know you can turn around and say put anyone in. It's got to be someone that's got to have the right skill set and experience for that that role, and they've got to have the knowledge of that. But I think sometimes you've got to have you've got to have someone some of turn around and say, well I know that this is good I definitely think this is gonna fail. So I'm gonna stop it before it get, gets worse. You know mm. if you if you find that a process has failed, you, you know you do your checks and you find that process has failed, then you know, do you want that person to carry on with the process regardless and you know they're, they're still doing the job, they're doing a good doing the process right. But then you end up with say a batch of something that's you know completely you know useless or you know you're you going ahead with a process that's gonna create a hazard. Um, you know, to me, I'd rather someone stop that at that point and say, uh, actually, no, I'm, I'm. I think this is. You know, we need to do something else and deviate from the process. Yeah, but get, it, you I know, it's about making say. sure you have the right, right trained and competent person. And um, you know, it, it, it's easy said than done. You get into like competencies of yeah. where procedure and where um, a trained competent person managing that procedure. You know, changes, but uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a huge it's a huge subject. This uh, grand fire, I think we've got so much more to to come out. I mean, we we got to remember that we're only on phase one of the of the inquiry now, so we've still got two phases to come out. Um, and and yeah, I do think we can all learn from this? I think building owners need to learn the most. I think they are the ultimate responsible person from this, and, and I think the fire service will be able to learn a hell of a lot. And I think it's a good thing that we can all learn from From this industry, it's not a good thing. It happened, but it, the inquiry, I mean, is a good yeah. thing. um that, that we can all learn from that.
1: But I think we should. It's an impossible task. It's it, possible it, to it, know. Yeah, it really is. It really you is. know, you turn up to a building and and you you assume it's well maintained and it's got this, it's got that. It's impossible to put that that onto the fire brigade because the fire brigade turn up, and to me they do. Whatever they're doing is, is better than nothing, you know. So mm. you know they're trying their best to get people alive, and, and and you know they go. These these are people that are going into burning buildings. Let's yeah, remember exactly. that. Then. Exactly. These these are voluntarily going into burning building to get someone out or to, exactly. to try and save someone. They they're only doing the good, um, but at the same time, your know, information is key, and they don't have all that information to hand. You know, mm. you, I mean, maybe there's a, maybe there's, there's something there to say. Well, actually buildings over a certain height or certain occupancy should have electronic copy records that are submitted to the fire brigade every so often. I, I don't know the perfect solution. There's, there's um, a
0: lot of conversations around stuff like that. A lot of conversations. You know, you've got some amazing systems, like I can't remember what it stands for, like like BIM systems, which is basically like yeah. a three D digital layout. Of yeah, BIM's, yeah,
1: that's pretty good.
0: Everything, and they they look phenomenal. The stuff. The problem is, it costs a lot of money. Um, but but yeah, I mean, let, let, we'll move on from Groenfeld before I end up getting in trouble. But it's um, going <laughs> upset anyone. But it's um it's a sensitive t- subject, but it is. It's an important one that we talk about, and I think I think we. The one last thing I would say from from my point of view is that the inquiry is a good thing. We should all learn from this. But I do think what you just said was spot on. We have to remember the fire service are going into a flaming building while we're running out of it. We also have to remember that you know they've had their funding cut for so many years. You know I don't want to get political or anything like that, but you know they've had their funding cut. Their their numbers have gone down, left, right, and centre. Definitely, definitely. we have to remember that, that these people are been given, just like you hit the nail on the head, an impossible task. Yeah. So one thing that you are extremely good at, Rob, is networking. <laughs> you are absolutely everywhere, like I said at the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. So, and, and I will say, other than, I will openly admit, other than this podcast, something I am extremely bad at is networking. So... <laughs> You're a big advocate of it. I know you're heavily involved in. You said about the environmental committee that you're you on. um you know, I know you're heavily involved in your IOSH meetings as well, and you're networking quite a lot. So, I think from two points of view, as a safety professional, there's a huge power in it for, for yourself to get connections, but also to, to learn things. But I think um it's a power in people who are not. Not safety professionals networking with safety professionals to get free advice um, as well. Yeah. So why don't you just give us a kind of let's imagine you're trying to sell networking to me. I'm bad at it. You're good at it. <laughs> advice would you give me to start working net, networking, get better at it? What are the values of it,
1: etc. I think. Um... <sighs> I think it's probably a bit bad for me to, to say this, but I feel that it just comes naturally to me. It's, I naturally want to speak to people. So, uh, yeah, it's just natural that I want to develop these relationships. But I think, you know, when you're looking at trying to network, the biggest thing I can say is look at, you know, don't don't go look into it like you want to meet someone, you want something out or something. To me, I always look at, look at it as I actually want to get to know someone. I want to develop that relationship. Um, I'm not really, you know, probably a bit naive this but i'm not bothered as to what i can give someone or what they can give me i just want to actually develop that relationship and and actually get to know people um, that's
0: naive.
1: then that's nice. yeah and then i think uh, you know i think that's the human aspect of it and then you know once i get to know someone and you know i start thinking in my head like you know how can i you know how can i help them or how can they help me so we can kind of you know is there any way we can kind of develop some kind of relationship that, that then it kind of comes to me you know actually this person could probably help you know might, might be able to help with this or they might be interested in this i'm um, this opportunity now what going on or you know they might know someone that can help me with this and then i start looking at you know how we can actually get get involved in something and once i get to know someone and and see that you know where we actually get on and be that actually you know we can both bring value to something there as well um you know there's lots of people that i speak to that you know get on really well with but realistically we we're not going to be able to um you know, we're not going to have opportunities from in different sectors, but at the same time, you know, I speak to someone that they're doing this sector, and I'm thinking, oh, that's quite a good idea. That I might have a mm-hmm. look at that, and then it's like, oh, just just your idea, I've looked at this, and um, so yeah, I think for, for me, uh, whether it's right or wrong, is is about developing that relationship first. Um, There's probably other people that come along and say, actually, you know, if if someone isn't going to add value, then I'm just going to not speak to them. Well, I think that's very naive because I think mm-hmm. you know, people. You, know, you generally don't know what someone's uh, involved in, what someone's doing, and you know, an op- someone could have an opportunity where where actually you might spend fifteen minutes speaking to someone one day, and you know, two years later they have something I need for you, and you might say, "Oh, what's opportunity? What do you think?" Um, you know, I remember speaking to someone at um, someone at a conference, and then you know, I met met someone else from the same company, um, I spoke to um the owner of the company, then I spoke to um one of the directors of the company. And then just uh, the other day, one of the directors reached out to me and said, Oh, a few of us uh, within our organization have, uh, uh, you know, we spoke about, yeah, and we've got a company conference. Would you would you come and speak at a company conference? I'm like, Yeah, oh, nice. I'll, I'll do that. And that's some networking. And mm. you know, that actually came from nothing else, just came through me, you know, speaking to one or two people in the organization, being very fortunate to speak to someone that um, is obviously high up in the organization, well, the owner, and also one of the, one of the directors, another thing. And, yeah, one thing came to another, and it's just an opportunity that I wouldn't know where it's come up. Um, so yeah, I am a big fan of networking. Uh, You're know, just through going to my local IOSH meetings. I, you and know, uh, explaining what I'm doing, what I am wanting to do. You know that I'd love to get involved in the committee. Um, you know, I've now been invited to join the committee. It's fantastic. Just that's just through attending and telling someone what I want to do and, and what I'm doing. And you know, it's actually well, actually, we've we're after young people to come on board and and to new ideas on and being you know um i think one of the things they're very keen on is to be looking at podcasts as well so i have no idea what i'm doing with them but uh you know this is the second podcast now so i might be, might be scratching you know asking you for a few tips and whatnot but mm-hmm. um yeah it's something that, that they kind of um they were kind of looking at doing was making some of the irish committee stuff that they do or some of the meetings that they do can we put any of that onto an actual podcast and um, to get it out there to younger generations and i think that's a good thing to do because it'll tracked a lot of the the younger generations that you know they're always involved in the phone they're on they're online on um youtube and they're doing all like the the podcasts themselves you know that's what that's how they a lot of them interact so Mm. it should hopefully push health and safety into the the next generation um and then yeah so one of the things I've, i've been very keen to do is is to reach out on linkedin to people as well um i was very keen to uh I'm not gonna mention any names here, but uh, I met someone that was high up in the industry just through LinkedIn. Um, and that person has actually now now started mentoring me. Um, and that's just mm-hmm. that's just through, you know, reaching out on LinkedIn, a few conversations. Um then, you know, I think I posted on someone's uh, someone's status on LinkedIn or someone's picture. Uh, he liked what I said and then we actually got talking about that um just personally and then um, then I reached out about something else and he reached out about something else to me. Um and now we've got a full-on mentoring relationship um, and that that came about out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, you never know who you're speaking to on LinkedIn or in conferences, but you know, I'd look at developing that relationship, you know, even if you're not good at human interaction or, or you're not good at, um, you don't feel confident speaking to strangers, just, you know, just, just start off like, you know, I think just start off to just pushing yourself a little bit. And um, I think it comes really handy when you go into a new organization or, or when you when you're in a um, organisation and you're going around speaking to people, if you've been, you know, networking a lot of the time or you've been speaking to strangers at conferences or you've been speaking out to people on LinkedIn, you find it a lot easier to develop them relationships with people that you know are within your organization that you wouldn't usually interact with. Um so I think it's definitely a soft skill that people don't necessarily um invest a lot of time in. But uh with networking definitely uh the amount of opportunities that have just come up. To me, just through speaking to people on LinkedIn, or uh, you know, I think this, this this podcast came about on LinkedIn. You know, we mm-hmm. just we just spoke on LinkedIn, and you know, it's, it's been crazy. Um, whether I regret it or not, I don't know. Whether I've done <laughs> good, or I've done bad, I don't know. Uh, I might go cry now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and then another podcast as well with Richard Collins. So um, I sort of don't want to advertise another podcast on the air. Probably turn around yeah. and ban me from it now. Um, and precious. But on. No, <laughs> but no, but that, that's, that's no, that was another podcast that just came about through just um, networking people, you know, and mm-hmm. I think there's so much that can be done in terms of opportunities, but then, you know, you're reaching out, you know, you, you're developing these relationships, you know, some people are going to be with an organisation, they don't only health and safety person within an organisation, you know, so you're going to need, you're going to want to bounce, bounce ideas, with, you know, around with people, you're going to want to discuss stuff, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to want advice and stuff and to get a second opinion, so, developing a relationship, you're developing a relationship where you've got that, you know, mentor, maybe not necessarily a mentoring connection, but you've got someone that you can actually go to with this and speak about this. And that's why I try to get involved in you know, the the Ios group and try to get involved in a lot of local stuff is to have local connections where I can actually bounce ideas around that will understand the context and the, um, the area that I'm trying to bring something in with. So, yeah. Mm. That
0: was good, mate. Oh, uh, you, you, well done! You've sold networking to me. I think, uh, I, I think for for me personally, I think it's just a. This is probably a, a very naive excuse, but it is it's more just time. You know, it's just trying to get yeah. get the the time in, to, to, in the diary. Um, and I think the other thing is um, the other thing is yeah, is I'm a tight bastard, if I'm honest. I don't pay for anything. So I go to anything that's free. Um, but but yeah, it's um I, I, I think there's a value to it. I you know, I've just just this last last end of last year dipped my toe into the the iOS meeting and I booked myself a couple of times to go over there. So I think it, more, part of my twenty twenty thing is to just to get get talking to more people, so it's, it's good for me. It's good for the podcast. You know, I want to I want to be telling people. Yeah. You know, rebrand and safety. Go and check it out. Um, I don't mind you mentioning um, Richard's safety podcast. Uh, spoke with an eye. Um, if anyone wants to go check it out, because obviously you would have mentioned rebrand and safety on his podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs>
1: um, I, th- I think uh, I think I did. I talked about. Um, if you, can't if if you did, I'll <laughs> go and listen
0: to it and see if we cut it out. We're in a little, we're in a group. So uh if, if uh, yeah. a Podcast United WhatsApp group, so if it, uh, <laughs> if he's cut it out, I'll say, yo, when you cut out that for? Um
1: No, you no I, can't, I can't remember. I can't remember made actually. Um, but no, I, what I we'll do is, if we if get very fortunate to go on, because I think he, he did say about, um potentially doing do another one. If I do go on that, I will promise you 100%, I will mention uh at this podcast, and then what you know, if he does cut it out, then you can kind of get him in, and we can kind of get him on the podcast, and we can ask you why he's cut it out. Yeah, <laughs> we could
0: challenge um, him, but no, time. I think
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could just just, just see um, you know, we get blacklisted from all these podcasts now. You and Richard both going, Yeah, we don't want him on anymore now. <laughs> <laughs> nah
0: you uh,
1: I think, um, with the IF thing, um, I think it's it, they've put our effort into. Making the Irish more, more safety practitioners—you know—you look at the new competencies that they've launched. Um, you look at, uh, you know, the, the Irish Future Leaders program. I think that is that that is massive. That uh, I went—I was fortunate to go this year. Um, I, I, I'm probably going to upset IOSH here, but the Irish Future Leaders Conference I thought was more relevant to me as a health safety uh, professional, develop you know, becoming a future leader. Um, than the IOSH 19 conference. You know, I thought this IOSH Future Leaders Conference really, you know, is is a event. Um, but no, I think really it was really good for anyone that is looking to be a future leader. we been on It really drove home the soft skills. It really drove home um that, like, you know, in terms of mentoring, you know, how you can get that mentoring relationship. Yeah, um, work. um done a really good talk on that um that I wish well, if, if they haven't recorded that, then it's a bit of a shame. But I hope they have recorded that, and I hope it can be something that they can kind of put out there because, uh, you know, uh, fair. You know, I think the Kevin uh, Blake second name now, but he, he really kind of wanted that relationship, and really, really, actually was very keen to get a mentoring relationship going, and he really went out of his way to do that. And I think that's something that can be encouraged towards anyone that's uh, looking at, you know, getting a mentor or, or getting um, the ear of someone that's high up in the industry. Um, should look out at reaching out to them and just, just get in touch with them and say, Look, you know, I'm a health and safety, you know, I'm, I'm just getting involved in health and safety. Uh, this is what I'm wanting to do. I think that you work for a company that I really admire. Uh, you've got a lot of, you're doing a lot of similar stuff that I've noticed that I um, I think you can help me grow these areas X, Y, and Z. Um, this is what I'm doing. What do you think? And it might be that that person might not be able to, you know, they might not be able to help, but they might turn around and say, Well, hang on a second. Um, I can't help but I know someone else that can help mm. and mm. I've been very fortunate that someone has done that to me. You know, the two months said actually, you know, we're too far away to have a mental relationship, but I know someone that's close by um and they put me in touch with them and uh, yeah, it, it's been phenomenal. But I think there's a lot there that can be you know, I think I think just say uh, just reach out to people. Um, definitely. I think, you know, at the end of the day, no one's gonna come to you like you know, I I always got told years ago, no one's gonna come to you and give you, you know, a million pounds, you've got to go out and earn it. You've got to you know, go out there, um, seize opportunities, you've got to create opportunities um, and do that. And I think I've done that with, in terms of um, self-funding the courses, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not going to get, a, uh, you know, if, if your organisation is going to fund you on that course and you want to do that, self it then, you know, do that. If, if it's to better your own life and your own career, do it. Uh, and then, you know, if you're looking at, um, you know, mentoring or, or networking, then, you know, go go meet people. People aren't going to come and come to you with an opportunity unless they know you. You know, unless they they've known you, they've interacted with you, they know what you're doing, they know what you're wanting to do. Then they're not going to think of you. Whereas if you've you 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 these people, they're going. Oh, actually, you know, I've got an opportunity here. Um, you know, it, it, then they might you know they're going to give you a bone. They're going to think actually, you know, I've, I've got something here that I want someone to speak or, speak at a conference or I've got something here. Um, that that person seemed keen. He seemed to have this what I'm after. Um, well, right, I'll go for them. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that networking is it's a dying art. I think as well. I think uh, you look back years ago and used to have you know, people used to have a very good um, you know they used to write by letters. They used to uh, interact a lot more. And I think you know we touched on it earlier about how you know the social aspect of, of jobs and careers that you know or within a lot of our organisations has kind of died off a little bit. And I think that's kind of happened with networking a little bit. You know, you look back uh, years ago and. You know, I can't remember the last time I sent a letter, to be honest, uh, but you know, it's lost art. Um, but, you know, because by, by becoming increasingly connected, you know, for some reason, people have this fear of reaching out to people that are high up in the industry because they think that they're not going to have time for them. And actually, you know, generally, I think, think if, if, if I was in that position someone reached out to me and said, oh, I think we know you're doing quite well what advice do you have to me? i would be very flattered for that. i would be like, oh yeah, someone's actually sitting that I'm doing something good and yeah, they want, yeah, want some correct. advice and I'd do my most to help them. And I have done when someone asked them that, but yeah, um,
0: well,
1: yeah. I say that now, like, and then uh, when, I'm in, when I'm in box five out 2,000 people, I'll be like, oh. <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> Free
0: help. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it kind of reminds me of a saying, like, don't ask, don't get. Um, and, I, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, how we got, andrew um Shaman on the podcast you know when i started this did i ever think andrew Sharman's gonna come on my podcast no never never and um, <laughs> i remember i can't i think i was watching like a gary v video or something and he was like do you know what just ask if you want something just ask for it you know yeah. and just see they might turn around and say yes otherwise they're going to turn around and say no and then you're no different from where you are so i remember I, I can't remember if i shared a I'd done a couple of book reviews of his stuff or something and I did something and I thought, should I tag him in the, when I share it? And I thought, fuck it, I'll do it. So I tagged him in it <laughs> and, and he commented on it and, he'd, and he commented on something else previously and I just kind of, the first time just said, oh, thanks, you know, blah, 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 I really enjoyed the book or whatever. And the second time round, I said, thanks for commenting. Um, we'd love to get you on the podcast, Rebrand and Safety, if you want to come along. Um, we'd love to chat more about it. And he basically just wrote back and said, yeah, cool i'm up for it drop me a message and then the whole time was i was i was waiting for him to send me like an invoice of like six grand or
1: something like that <laughs> uh, i'd be like yeah
0: i'll come on but it's gonna cost you this and you know you just gotta you just gotta ask and and, and that was it and then you know two minutes uh, two weeks later you know we're, we're chatting back and forth we're getting um the the content kind of right and just and then it was just a recorded zoom call no different from me and you chatting now, and you know what yeah. it comes from me asking. You're right. No one's going to give you what you want. You've got to go and get it. I think. I think that's, that's a great,
1: great point. I think. I think just that. Uh, yeah, I think. I think the other thing I'd on say is that you. There's only two things that in my eyes you can control, and that's attitude and effort. And I think I have said this before. I say it to a lot of people that the more attitude, you know, you can control your attitude. So what you, you know. You control how you're going to react to something or how you're going to be about something and then your effort, you can control how much hard work you put in and um, you know that's the only way i've got to where i am today is through you know having the right attitude and putting that putting the effort in um, and that's all that's all i can recommend to people is them two mm-hmm. things um you know but if, if you if you you sat there as a you're know, wanting to get into health and safety or you want to get to that next step as health and safety only you can do it you know only you can put put your you know, get your attitude in the, in the right way uh, and also putting the effort, at the end of the day it's going to take sacrifice, you know, you have to sacrifice a few things. Um, you, you know, I mean, it's a given, you know, if you're going to complete a course, you're going to have to sacrifice hey, money, time and e- money, time and effort to actually do that. But mm. yeah, that, that's, that's um, the last things I'd really say is, yeah, and good luck to anyone out there who's, who's looking at um, developing within health and safety. And if there's anything that I think either one of us can do to help, and I'm sure that we both would try to help anyone. So...
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100% if message me and I'll uh, I'll forward you on to Rob. 100%. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I will help. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a very good a very good way to finish that and yeah, and I think you're right and I think we can see we can see the evidence in that at a young age, you know, a couple of years younger than me. And, you know, you're, you're flying through through the industry. There's a lot of people talking about, yeah, you're, you're popping up everyone's social media, mate. So 100%, you know, that kind of effort and attitude thing, I love it. And you can see that, you know, it's um, you can see it's working 100%. Keep it up. Um, That's it. Would definitely um, probably have you back. Um, depends on how your other podcast goes with Richard. I might, might go check that out. I think it's just come out. <laughs> so it's,
1: um, uh, yeah, it's just been released, yeah.
0: Yeah, just brought it out. So um, if you like Rob, you can go check him out on the Safety Podcast. Make sure that you come back over to Rebranding Safety, though, um, after you've listened to
1: I, I want to see you and, uh, you and Richard on a... Um- on a podcast together i think that'd be
0: quite good well do you know what that's um that's, that's something i've been trying to get for a while i would love to see all of us podcasters because it's about in the uk and we we'll, i think richard's like in a, in a little island somewhere off the off the side If i remember rightly <laughs> um, but he 100 percent i think it'd be amazing if we could get like myself uh, richard you've got uh Oh, he's going to kick my ass because I forgot his bloody name. Um, you got the... Edit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got the Interest and in Safety pod, um, that gentleman. You've just started the two guys, David Povin and somebody else, I think it was, that just started, they're not on our group yet, but they've just started the Safety of Work podcast. Then you've got Sonny Gopal, who's probably one of the OGs. He's like the original gangster of it all. He started his podcast years ago, I think. <laughs> um, I think he, he puts more blog stuff out now if i remember rightly but you know there's so much of us um we, we've all got our own different styles you know Richard's style is completely different to mine um and, and and i like that you know i love that i'd love to get some kind of event of us all just around the table <laughs> record that conversation chew the fat, discuss the guests that we've had our favorite guests and the things we learned etc like that that would be phenomenal and that's one one of my dreams of rebounding safety to be able to do an event like that so you're, you're 100% right I'd love to see us do it um you know, watch this space one day I will get it I will get it to happen <laughs> one day okay Rob thank you very much so we've recorded this uh on the 22nd of December so belated Merry Christmas to everybody hope everyone had a happy this, <laughs> this will come out in the new year so I hope Everybody had a great Christmas and a, and a new year and you Rob, I hope you have a lovely Christmas and I hope you have a very
1: prosperous new year. Thank you and you too.
0: I see you've got your, your Christmas jumper on already. I
1: have, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got a family in the house like, at the moment so that's why I'm in uh, somewhere else. Uh, you know, I think they've all uh, got to open a few drinks now and uh, yeah, right. I was just just kind of locked, locked the back door and got out of here so that be hopefully none of them will disturb I'll me because I've
0: sit, sitting here a bit hungover from the last like four days of drinking alcohol but I'm just sitting here thinking really fancy a beer
1: so I think that's what I'm going to do I'm going to go <laughs> bye mate I'll, one. I'll let you uh, go not, I don't think I'm in now don't down no, until uh, 6th of January now so I think uh, I'm going to open a beer now for i
0: <laughs> okay guys I hope you found that useful found it interesting engaging if you did don't forget to If you did, don't forget to hit like. Um, If you're on YouTube, don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you're on Spotify, you can hit follow. There's so many buttons to hit nowadays. If you really, really like this podcast and listen on iTunes, we would really love a rate and review. It just helps us get into other people's ears via the algorithms and all these crazy things that go on nowadays. So if you do that, don't forget to screenshot it and Tell us about it, so we can shout you out on this podcast. You can contact you can contact us on any of the social medias: Twitter, rebranded Safety. You can get us on Facebook, rebranded Safety, on LinkedIn, me, James McPherson. If you listen on YouTube, watching on YouTube, all of those social medias are coming up on your screen right now. If you enjoyed this podcast as well, and you can think of three people that would enjoy it as well, share it with them. Let me entertain their ear holes. Share it with three people. not everyone, don't entertain everyone. I'm not greedy. Just three people you can think of, share it with them. We would love that. Thanks very much, guys. I'll catch you next week in next week's podcast. Safe. Hey everyone, you looking for something a little bit different for your next digital or physical conference, business event, safety event? How about health and safety's first and only YouTuber? Go to www.rebrandsafety to get safety at your next event. Or email me at james at rebrandsafety.com. Catch you later. Safe.